Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Throughout history, if you look carefully, you'll see that God's enemy has focused his attack on the church. He has worked relentlessly to divide the church and damage it with religion, organization, and teachings that turn it away from the oneness Christ died on the cross to accomplish. Surely, if the church is Satan's focus, it must indicate that the church is what he fears the most. This is not only revealed by looking at history, it's the central revelation of God's word. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against her. The Lord Jesus himself proclaimed in Matthew 16 in one of the great prophecies in scripture. But to see how he will do this building work, we need the book of Ephesians. Today, we'll consider seven crucial aspects of the church. Ron Kangas has joined us for this fellowship. Welcome back again, Ron. Uh, Good to be back. I appreciated your opening word as a way of focusing us on the focus of the book of Ephesians. Unfortunately, uh, many believers have little feeling or vision Mm -hmm. or burden concerning the church. Or if they do, they may have a natural or organizational understanding. But we need to have a divine view, the view unfolded through Paul in the book of Ephesians. God treasures the church. Satan hates and fears the church. Right. God in Christ will build up the church. Satan endeavors to destroy the church. God will build up the church in life. Satan endeavors to destroy the church through death. Then may I ask, how can God's people be neutral or blasé or unconcerned on a matter of such vital importance to God and in a negative sense to Satan? So I welcome this opportunity to be refreshed from Paul's word in Ephesians and from Brother Lee's ministry on this point, and to make a contribution in fellowship so that the listeners will be motivated to reread Ephesians and to obtain the life study messages on Ephesians that they may be enlightened concerning God's desire regarding the church. You know, as I look back over the uh, the writings of the past century, certainly Watchmanee's work regarding the body, the practice of the church, and then Witness Lee's continuation of that ministry and, and the light that he brought to it in the last half of the 20th century, some of the most significant uh, writings on this topic in the whole wealth of uh, Christian literature, isn't it? It is. I'm glad you mentioned Brother Watchmanee in particular because he has exceedingly rich, even classical, books concerning the church, published and distributed by Living Stream Ministry, books such as The Glorious Church, 
further talks on the church life, the orthodoxy of the church. I mention this not only to underline the fact, but to point out an imbalance in the appropriation and distribution of Watchman Nee's ministry by Christian publishers as a whole. I'm referring, of course, to the tendency to emphasize Brother Nee's writings on life, the normal Christian life, or on Christ, or on certain truths, but to neglect his crucial ministry on the church. Paul spoke of Christ in the church. Brother Nee spoke of Christ in the church. And Brother Lee, coordinating with Brother Nee and continuing this ministry, ministered Christ as life, but for the building up of the church. This is what we have in Ephesians. And if we care to be one with God, and if we desire to enter into the heart and desire of God, we need to open ourselves to God's view, God's feeling, God's intention concerning the church as unveiled in Ephesians. This matter of the building, which you alluded to, which also happens to dovetail very neatly into our topic today in Ephesians, uh, this matter of the building is brought up, and I'm talking about Ephesians 2.22, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. Just one verse among many that bring out this portion. But one of the things that's frequently uh, mentioned in this regard is that, yes, the church will be built up, but that's for another time and another age. And right now, uh, God is just gathering the material. I think Witness Lee in his portion today will really address this right on point and really uh, unmask it for being not an accurate statement according to Scripture. So let's join Witness Lee, Ron. God's intention in his eternal purpose is to have a body to have a group of real believers built up together in the life of Christ. This is God's purpose. And uh, some of the people under the subtlety of the enemy would think this something will be in the future. You know, there were some kind of a sayings like this, Today is the time to prepare the materials. That day, when that day comes, that is the time for the building. Today, they say, according to the Old Testament type, is the day of David, fighting the battle, getting the material, and preparing the material until the day of Solomon. Then that will be the day for the building up. I read... <laughs> quite much, things like this. But, to say this way, you just cancel the whole book of Ephesians. Ye also are being Hallelujah. built. It doesn't say, ye shall be built in the future, someday. But, in whom ye are also present tense. Being, continually. Being built together. The building of the church is today. Oh, the Lord at the head of the body has given the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers for the building up 
of the body. It is not something in the future. It is today. So we have to say something again today's wrong teachings. They say, wow, it's impossible. Oh, the building of the church will be in the future. Someday when we'll be there, there'll be a wonderful time. Today, what we can do is just to praise the gospel, to win the souls, and to edify the saints, and help them to know the Bible by Bible studies, and uh, help them to love the Lord, and even help them to be spiritual. All together, just an individual thing. This is the subtlety. Regardless how many souls you will bring to the Lord, Regardless how many saints you will edify, regardless how much study of the Bible you could help others to have, and regardless how much you could be spiritual and help others to be spiritual, God gets nothing to fulfill His purpose. Ron, he began that portion by saying God's intention in His eternal purpose is to have a body but not just a body in general, a body specifically built up in the divine life in whom you also are being built up. Let's talk about this interpretation, that that's a subject for another time in God's work and his dispensation. If by another time we mean eternity, we're making a colossal mistake. In Matthew 16, the Lord Jesus declared prophetically, I will build my church. That is a prophecy that is related to the future, but not the future postponed into eternity, but the future from that point onward, especially after his redemptive death and victorious, glorious, life-imparting resurrection. The church must be built up now, and by now I mean in the present age, the church age, the age of grace, the age of mystery. We cannot accept defeat on this matter if we are one with God. Why is that? Two of a number of reasons are sufficient for this present fellowship. When the Lord Jesus comes back, he will come back to get married, and he will marry this prepared bride. But this prepared bride is the builded church. It is the body grown to maturity and built up, at least in miniature, through the overcoming ones. Mm -hmm. So no building up of the church as the body of Christ, no marriage. The Lord cannot come back until the church is built. Second, according to the sequence of thought, in Matthew 16, we have the church, then we have the kingdom, and in practicality, the church is built up to bring in the age of the kingdom. The Lord will come after he's married as a king to reign on the earth. The reality and practicality of the kingdom of the heavens must be present in the genuine church life today or there cannot be the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens in glory with the Lord's coming again. It is a subtlety of the enemy to induce Christians to think 
that we should accept division, we should accept the situation and postpone the building up of the church to another age. That is impossible. The other age will not come. It will not be here until God gains what he is after in the present age, which is preeminently the building up of the church, which is the building up of the body of Christ. That building is the reality of the kingdom, and that building is the preparation of the bride. Believers need to repent, by which I mean to have a thorough change of mind and take in God's thought concerning the urgent and desperate need for the church unveiled in Ephesians to be built up in a practical way today, here, now, in the present age. Strikes me two things uh, associated here. Very positive on the one hand. The body is built up as his habitation. The bride is prepared so the wedding can come and take place. The bridegroom has a bride to come back for. But coinciding with these positives is the negative aspect. God's enemy is dealt with also at that period in time when the Lord returns. So that connects this uh, dealing with his enemy to the preparation or the building work, which really gives us an insight as to why Satan fights and struggles so desperately against the church. Exactly. One aspect of the church unveiled in Ephesians 6 is the warrior. According to Revelation 19, first we have the wedding with the bride, then the bride becomes the warrior to return with Christ to deal with the enemy in the battle at Armageddon. So we need to be very clear from God's perspective and, in a sense, from the devil's perspective that the church is crucial and the church must be built up according to God. I say it again. Mm -hmm. Here on the earth, now in this age, if the majority of Christians will not see this and give themselves to the Lord for this, then the Lord must gain a remnant to stand for the whole in the principle of the overcomers, to be one with him, to afford him the way to fulfill his prophecy, I will build my church. To that, we love to say, Amen. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Why the Lord's coming has been delayed and has still been delayed. I do believe the main reason is that he is waiting for a real building up church on this earth. Even in this dark age. He promised in Matthew 16, 16, I will build my church. This is not only a promise, but also a great prophecy. You just consider, when shall the Lord fulfill this prophecy? He had to do it before coming back. If he couldn't do it before his coming back, it would be a kind of shame to him. And Satan would boast to him. You see, you cannot beat me. But I beat you. You just cannot beat me. You have been trying, trying, trying over 2,000 years. You work on the cross. You work by resurrection, by your ascension, even by descending to be the life-giving spirit. You cannot beat me. You haven't accomplished your goal, but this will never be. Amen. Eventually, I tell you, eventually the Lord will put the enemy to the corner. Amen. He will build up the church. Amen. 
in the darkest age. Amen. Then the Lord will say, little Satan, what would you say? See, here is a church. The Lord will shoot enemy. He's doing it. Even the whole world situation and the international affairs are all for this purpose. Of oh, the church. It is not a small thing, brothers. The enemy subtly uses all these so-called good things, religion, doctrine, even sound doctrines, fundamental doctrines, scriptural doctrines. Nothing wrong. No heresy. Nothing heretical, yet dividing. We are fighting against the devil, the subtle one. I just hate him. I hate Satan. All those people under the cheating of the enemy. But anyhow, the Lord is sovereign. He could never be defeated. Today, he is fulfilling his purpose. Ron, this really uh, answers the age-old question, why has the Lord tarried? Why has the Lord not returned? And there's all kinds of speculation around the conversation on this topic, but this really pins it down, doesn't it? It does pin it down. I hasten to insert here that we do not presume to understand in full the reason for the Lord's delay. I mean, there's an aspect of this known only to God. But there's um, a twofold reason for the delay, at least as far as I can understand at present. Outwardly, the world situation needs to match what is revealed in the various prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord. And many prophecy buffs and students of prophecy focus on these things. When will the Roman Empire be revived? And when will the temple site be restored, etc.? I don't say it's wrong, but it can be a distraction. But if we understand the Bible, and if we know God's economy, and if we know the heart's desire of the Lord Jesus, we will realize he is coming back to get married. Matthew 25 has this marvelous word, the bridegroom comes, let us go forth to meet him. In Revelation 19, we're told, the bride has made herself ready. Some think, oh, Christians can be in the present situation, and somehow the Lord will, so to speak, just say a word, Mm -hmm. and the bride will, poof, suddenly appear. That is contrary to the principle of life, that is contrary to God's economy, that is contrary to the truth concerning the building up of the church as the body of Christ. The intrinsic reason, the basic reason for the Lord's delay in coming again is that the bride still is not ready. The preparation of the bride is a process involving life, the divine life, and building in the divine life. Mm. I don't know how else to say it. This is a most crucial matter, and we would even say, based upon the Scriptures and our understanding of the world situation together, the crucial matter in God's work at this stage in the present age 
is to build up the body of Christ according to God's economy as the preparation of the bride of Christ so our lovely bridegroom, our wonderful Lord Jesus, may come back and can come back to get married, deal with the enemy, and bring in the kingdom. This is very close to the life pulse, the heartbeat of this ministry. Ron, we've not enough time to take our third section of Witness Lee, and I feel like we've come to a good point of conclusion here. Let me just throw out, uh, in this last segment, we were going to touch the rest of the seven items that the church is presented as in Ephesians. We've already talked about, I think, in adequate measure, the body, the bride, and probably the warrior. A couple of the others in a minute or so that we have left, if you want to comment on, really in the context of what we were just fellowshipping, the new man, the household, the kingdom, and the habitation. The new man, which is almost identical to the body, viewed from the angle of Christ being the unique person. What a contrast this is to the worldly, multicultural, and hence divisive emphasis. The church is a new man. In this new man, there are no Jews, there are no Gentiles. There is Christ who is all and in all. Then the church is the household of God consisting of his children who are also the components of his household. The church is the kingdom of God. It's where the Lord rules in reality and practicality today. And the church is the dwelling place of God. I love 2 Timothy 4.22, the Lord be with your spirit. That's Verse helps us see that Christ's residence is our regenerated human spirit. But that personal realization is for the corporate context unfolded in Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 22 says that in Christ we are being built together into a dwelling place, a habitation of God in spirit. If the church is not built up, God doesn't have a family in practicality. He doesn't have a kingdom in reality. There is not the testimony of the one new man. And God does not have the dwelling place Mm -hmm. he desires. He is in heaven as his temporary abode. But the scripture reveals the dwelling place of God really is the church of the living God built up organically in the spirits of the saints. That is where the Lord dwells. So in a practical sense, God is homeless until his house is built. So in a forthright way, yet in a loving way, we would ask our listeners to consider who cares about this? Mm. Who will open their heart so that the Father may put in their heart the kind of feeling that is in his heart concerning his house his kingdom, and all the other aspects of the church, the most crucial of which in Ephesians is the organic, functioning body of Christ. In a culture and an age in which we are so uh, used to seeing things oversold, insignificant things that somehow take on this artificial importance as they're packaged and presented, I think we have in Ephesians, in this matter of the church, something that is absolutely undersold and the Christian's uh, perception and appreciation needs to be uplifted. All of us have to have an uplifted view to match what is really central on God's heart.
And to have that, we encourage our listeners to read and reread Ephesians. I would say obtain a copy of the recovery version of the New Testament right. with the footnotes, read the notes, and act upon Chris's giving the number. Here I'm coordinating with you, giving the number to call in to get the life study of Ephesians with these marvelous messages contained therein. Let me add that toll-free number, Ron, since you've done my job for me, I will finish it. It's 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. And our email address is simply radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kingus today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.